Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hey, we're less than a week away from Cherish, you guys. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to, uh, honestly, it's going to, there will be such a distinct shift. I really believe that as we enter into Cherish Week, but I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a milestone for our church, for our city, um, a return to the, to a true expression of the power of God, the prophetic, um, the unburdening and releasing of shackles. God has given me so many pictures and visions of what is going to take place there. So if you know of somebody who just needs to get across the line, um, lovingly lead them to get there. Encourage them greatly because God's going to speak to them. Go ahead and grab your seats, everyone. Good to see you. Hello to Pastor Jürgen, who's watching online. Yeah, love you, my precious man. See you tomorrow. Yeah. So what an honor it is to be with you too. Wednesdays in a row. <laughs> it looks light on today. Have, have we got something going on? Or is this normal? It does look light. People sick, maybe. All right, we'll pray for healing. Oh, Casey's here. Casey's here. Cute and making the front row look extremely cute. I love it. Okay. So last week I did my message on Hezekiah. It was an interruption to the regular scheduled program. Yeah. Uh, but today I want to I speak a message called Return of the Shepherds 2.0. Oh. It's the next installment of the Return of the Shepherds series. I really think it is a, a word for us. This is what God is speaking to us right now. And within this message is going to be some challenge. Um, within this message is going to be some really beautiful, godly, reminders of who we are and inspiration for the next season that we're about to embark on as, as a church and just to sharpen and just, just be refreshed in who we are. Yeah. And so there will be some ouchy moments in this just simply because I'm going to be reading from the book of Ezekiel and he was like, he was a pretty ferocious prophet and God sent him at a time when the people of Israel were, were harassed and helpless and, and the leaders and the pastors and the shepherds had actually become quite selfish. And so God sent a message. He yeah. sent a messenger by the name of Ezekiel to bring a word to, to the church leaders at that time. It says this, Ezekiel chapter number 34, starting in verse 1. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, Prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk. You wear the wool. You butcher the best animals but you let your flocks starve. Now, let me just stop there for a second. It's not wrong for a pastor, a church leader to take their living 
from the church. It's not wrong for them to receive a wage. The Bible says that the worker is worthy of their wages. But what's happening here is there's an inversion taking place. They're taking the best, but they're not looking after the ones that God has asked them to look after. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandon my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were, and though, listen to this, and though you were my shepherds, assigned, given a job description from the Lord, you were my shepherds. You didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies. Ouch. And I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. Drop several mics. Hashtag boom. (laughs) Now I want to preface this with... I, I don't want everybody to start feeling condemned. This is not, I'm, I'm sharing this story from the book of Ezekiel. We're a good church that needs a reminder and a refresher. We have good pastors and good shepherds in our house, but we all need a reminder and a refresher and a refinement. And so this is what, this is a refining message, not a message of judgment. So what I've done is I've made it real practical-like. I felt the Lord give me just three points that I want to share with you today. And obviously not all of you are pastors, but all of you are overseers to a degree. You're here in this room because you have a team, a group of people, a flock, some may say, that you are called to be responsible with and a good steward with according to what the Lord has put in your hands. So I want to just break it down. Three points, going to be nice and practical today, and then we're going to pray. First one is this. Good shepherds feed the flock. God starts with the obvious question. So he comes out of the gate swinging through the the prophet Ezekiel. And he he starts with the obvious question. And you can feel the intensity and the lament in this question. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Like, that's your freaking job, you guys. Like, at the top of your job description is feed the flock. So he just starts there. He's like, that, and you're not even doing that. And then he goes on to say to them, you drink the milk. You wear the wool. You butcher the best animals, but you have let your flock starve. Again, it's not wrong for you to partake from from the flock and, and feed yourself. You need to be fed too. But if you're only feeding you and your flock is starving, that's an inversion and you've put down your responsibility as a shepherd. So I want to ask you this question. Do you feed the flock or does the flock only feed you? Here's what John 10, 11 says, Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So when I was at a different church uh, many years ago, there was a particular pastor on staff who really did illustrate this, and it was very, very sad. So he would constantly have people in his team over to his house, and they were always doing chores. They weren't there for meals. They weren't there for fellowship. They were washing his car. They were babysitting his kids. They were repairing things, all for free. Um, you know, like they were turning themselves inside out to, to honour this, this man, and yet when they had a crisis, crickets. When they had an issue, he was nowhere to be found. Gladly, that was observed by the senior pastor in the church and that person was let go. But there was a whole lot of collateral damage that needed to be fixed because he was living this. He was feeding himself but not feeding the flock. So I ask again the question, do we feed the flock or does the flock only feed us? Because the wolf in this story in John chapter 10, it, it represents an inconvenience. So it's all fine and dandy while I'm drinking the milk and wearing the wool and eating the steak. But when the wolf comes, well, what? That, that represents an inconvenience, and I don't want to be inconvenienced. A good shepherd becomes a good shepherd at the point where they're willing to be inconvenienced, where it actually costs you something. And can I say the cost to you as a shepherd should be far greater than the cost of the sheep, or at least equal. Wow. So, so when Jürgen and I were pastors in, in New Zealand, it, you know, like uh, we, we gave our lives away. Now, I'm not saying we should be manipulated and abused and allow ourselves to be overworked, but that's not the culture here. We're not doing that. So if you're, beating to, to the, the beat of, you're walking to the beat of that drum, it's not the drum beat we are beating. However, I do fear sometimes that we've, we've got a culture now where there's been the pendulum swing the other way, where we've made things just a little bit too easy. Like Jürgen and I, my gosh, constantly had young people in our house. I remember one night I was pregnant with Geordie. It was like 2 a.m. and we can hear a knock on our window. <laughs> now, I can thank God it wasn't Pastor Becky. She would have come out with a gun or, or Dr. Matt. <laughs> But we're naive Australians living in New Zealand at the time, knock on the door, and it's the youth group boys. Pastor Jürgen, Pastor Jürgen, psst, psst, Pastor Jürgen, you need to pray for Eddie. He just slept with Caroline. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so heavily pregnant. I can hear, like, they're bringing their buddy to the pastor's house at 2 a.m. because he just had sex with a girl from the youth group and he felt so guilty. I'm like, you know what, that's what shepherding is. We didn't toss him away. We put, all right, and so Jürgen prayed with him. I stayed in bed. I'm not going to take any credit, but Jürgen went out there and did what needed to be done. I, I remember being, we were so poor, like poor beyond poor. Like every, we would have to walk through the grocery store with a calculator. Like it, it, was, it was that intense. And these kids would come over and, like eat everything, but then even just like down to toilet paper, I'm like, I literally cannot afford to have your butt swiped in my house. 
but I'm going to give it as an offering to the Lord. You know you're a shepherd when you're giving toilet paper as an offering to the Lord. And, and this, this was the life that we had chosen. I didn't, like I never felt like I could go, well, that's too much. I'm just like, this is part of it. We, we never had budgets to take people out for meals, ever. If we took a person out for a meal, we were paying for it. And there were several times we, we took single moms out and young people out. And sure, you know, our, our taste has kind of been more refined since those days. Back then it was McDonald's and maybe at best Denny's. But, you know, there was a sacrifice attached to that. Let's, let's never lose that. Do, do you feed the sheep or do the sheep feed you? Where does faithfulness start as a shepherd? Faithfulness starts at the point where your flesh is being challenged. It's flipping hard. And I want to encourage you today. It is, it is hard being an overseer and a shepherd of God's flock because they are frightfully annoying at some times. <laughs> like it's, it's very true. So I, I want to commend you today for your um, obedience to God and your faithfulness to steward what is so precious to him, knowing oftentimes it is really difficult and really frustrating. When you're a shepherd, you have to be the biggest person in every room. And it's not always comfortable because there will be times where we're hated and we're judged and we're misrepresented and then we have to go back again and expose ourselves to it another time. It's, I, I think that turning the other cheek finds its true expression in pastoring where people, for some reason, the sheep are allowed to bite you, but you can't bite them back. I mean, you'd think if you saw a shepherd, like a eh, bite, and then the shepherd gets down, I'll show you. Like you'd call them insane. And of course they would be, but you're going to get bit by sheep and then have to resist the temptation to bite them back. You don't get to bite them back. They might get a crook around the neck, but you can't bite them back. You've got to be the biggest person. And people talk about, oh, and I was offended, and I was offended. And I'm like, I honestly, I'm like, wow, I remember when I was allowed to be offended. <laughs> I think it was back in the 80s. I, I, I honestly just cannot believe it. Like, wow, you are so privileged that you have the right to get offended. I lost that right a long time ago. I'm a dead woman walking. I got a cross on my back that literally buzzes me like a shock collar. Thank you, Gage. Every time I try to be offended, you're not allowed. Oh, and you, I could, oh, oh, the audacity. Oh, I'm offended. I'm offended. Part of me is so jealous. I remember when I could do that. Not anymore. Being a disappointment, pastors are equally loved and then the, 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 you're the love of my life, you're the enemy of my soul, I love you, I hate you, you're the best pastor ever, you're the worst pastor in the world. And so we are the sum total of people's love and expressiveness and gratitude and joy and then their, their deepest disappointments. And, and you, you've, got to, you've got to wear it and allow it to, you know, like, you, like it 
It's on you like a residue, but you can't let it stay. You've got to shake it off without being defensive about it because sheep do what sheep do. Like, we're not going to change them. So we've got to lead them. And more than anything, we have to lead ourselves. There's a distinct difference between the behavior of a sheep and a shepherd. You just got to take it and wipe it off. How's this one for feeding the flock? Loving people more than they love you. That, that is my, the, probably the constant reminder that, I, that the Lord is always reminding me of. I'll always love people more than they love me. People you poured into, you turned yourself inside out, discipling them, and then they walk away. They reject you. It's flipping painful for a pastor when you pour your heart in and soul into somebody and then one day, seemingly on a whim, they decide to move to the other side of America with, with absolutely no thought for what you've built together and how you've invested in them. It's hard. And it's actually a feeling that you have to reconcile with God because I don't know that it's changing. And, and it is hard. We, do, we have to love people more than they love us and not get a bitter spirit. A shepherd can't have a bitter spirit because they'll defile their field and they'll defile the workers, the other shepherds, the co-laborers in that field, loving people more than they love you, having to live to a standard that few people have to live to. Listen to this in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, and I read this at our team day. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, if anybody wants to be a shepherd over God's flock, good. But there are preconditions. A leader must be well thought of, committed to his wife, cool and collected, which is not easy when you're leading people who are hot-headed, ill-tempered and stubborn, accessible and hospitable. He must know what he's talking about. I'm going to get to that. Not be over-fond of wine, not pushy but gentle, not thin-skinned, just like I said, You've got to be the biggest person in every room. If you're going to get offended, you're in the wrong job because offense is a huge part of a shepherd's life. Not money hungry. He must handle his own affairs well, attentive to his own children and having their respect. For if someone is unable to handle his own affairs, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a new believer lest the position go to his head and the devil trip him up. Outsiders must think well of him or else the devil will figure out a way to lure him into his trap. So, you know, these are the pre-qualifications or the prerequisites of leadership. We have to be the biggest person in the room. They're things that most people can't do. And that's why we are the, the chosen exception. Many are called, the Bible says, but few are chosen. Well, what are the qualifications of the chosen? They're right here. Paul's telling Timothy as he puts his leadership team together, this is what a good shepherd looks like. They are the biggest person in every room and they live to a standard that most regular humans, sheep, bah, can't handle. <laughs> the second thought that I have today is good shepherds are doctors and detectives. Look at this. In this prophetic word that Ezekiel gives, God speaking through him, God gives us clues to what a shepherd looks like. Ezekiel 34.4. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick 
or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So within this very negative, condemning, prophetic word actually is a key to what God is looking for. He's looking for a doctor who can strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind the broken, and then a detective, someone who searches for the lost, who have wandered, and brings back those who are lost. A good shepherd is both a doctor and a detective. Can I add this to it? Doctors make their best diagnoses when they're in the room, when they're present. Do you want me to tell you about a little fun fact that I figured out when I was putting this message to get together because I had a theory and my theory was proven correct when I researched it on the internet. There have been an overwhelming amount of malpractice suits uh, against doctors because of the amount of calls that went to Zoom over COVID. And they misdiagnosed them up the yin yang. Do you can't tell? over a Zoom, oh, it could be leprosy or it could be eczema. I'm not sure. And so as a result, we're now seeing the fruit of this isolation. Wait, you got to be present. You got to get all up in that business. You got to be able to say, oh, look at that. Look at this. Oh, what's that spot? Oh, you get a full bill of health. Okay, right. Okay, you've got to be able to... You've got to be able to get in there and see them, yeah, look yeah, in their yeah. eyes. Yeah. You've got to have shepherd's eyes. <laughs> you better look, look and see. And you, you can't tell from over here. I can't see on the fuzzy, pixelated, what's going on in Lance's world. You've got to be present. I preached it before, but good shepherds smell like sheep. Means they're going to have a little bit of sheep poop on them, Deshaun. Especially when it's young sheep. <laughs> I remember a time when um, Pastor Becky, I knew she was a pastor before she was made a pastor. I haven't told this story for ages. Um, we were at a kid's party once. Our babies were little. And Pastor Emma Davies was there, who was just like hilarity in motion. Like if there is some kind of calamity to fall into, she's in there, boots and all. So (laughs) she was wearing white pants, always a bad idea when you have toddlers, and then sat on a chocolate bar and didn't know it. And it was like right, like literally in in the seam of her pants, right in a very strategic spot. She literally had a chocolate-covered butt. And she's walking around holding court as she does, and um, Becky yells out, Emma, oh my gosh, you've got chocolate all over your pants. And she, she backs up like this. She's like, well, come on then, friends. Clean it off, clean it off, clean it off. And I remember being so like, I, I, I'm in shock. Like, I want to get away as far away from your chocolate-covered butt as possible. This is too much reality for me. And Becky's like, oh, Emma, come here. And she grabs baby wipes and gets right up in there. It was fair. I'm like, you are a pastor. You're a pastor. You can't do that on Zoom. You can't do that from your ivory tower. Now, listen, I realized that, that over COVID, there were some certain things that we needed to do to survive. 
And obviously, we would love to have our Boise and our Salt Lake City people here in person. It isn't always practical or doable. But when it is, be in the frickin' room. Your presence is required. You can't shepherd from a distance. Amen, Leanne. (laughs) And that's why we've got to have co-shepherds, because one person can't do it all. So you think about it, if, if we're called to be shepherds or good doctors, you think about a hospital. So they have like a, a chief of the hospital. Now, do, does the chief know all the patients and all their symptoms? And how, you know, n- no, he's going to have an overview, but then he's going to have a crack team of doc- doctors and nurses that have all that information that he's meeting with regularly. So when he asks, how's Joe Black? Let me tell you, sir, Joe Black is going through his treatment for cancer. He's responding well. We're looking at having him discharged in five days. It's all good. Wonderful. Okay, so, so do we, like, this is God's hospital to a degree. Good shepherds are doctors. Do we know diligently the state of our flocks? Okay, you may not know all the information because of how much you're stewarding, but someone in your team should, and you should know that person, and you should be talking to them. So at any given point, you know, who's in treatment, how many people you have, what their names are, and what their conditions are. Recruiting shepherds is incredibly important. But again, it's not recruiting and then dumping. It's recruiting and developing. They want to have your spirit. You'll get into a whole lot of problems if you just give people a responsibility, but then don't train them in how you want them to execute it. We don't, we don't need brutal shepherds who come in with a different spirit, who really want to hold a rod and a staff and want their own five sheep to beat. And they don't carry your spirit. And that's why you've got to know them. If you don't know them, if you don't know them, what, am, what are they doing in there? You've got to know them. You've got to trust them. You've got to know that they're going to be careful with the sheep that God has entrusted to you, that you have entrusted to them. So meet with those co-shepherds. Then we also have to be detectives. We have to search for those who, are wandered, who have wandered and are lost. So when we look at this prophecy from Ezekiel, God reiterates multiple times. They wandered and they were lost and you didn't do anything. Three times in this prophecy, he refers to the fact that they wandered or were lost and then they were now vulnerable as prey to wild animals. In Awakened Church... We go after lost things. We go after lost things. And it's too easy to put people in the offended basket and say, well, they're just offended. They're just offended. Like, yes, it's one of the most devastating and real and common human conditions. But imagine if God disqualified us because we got offended. I love the story of Abraham. He really was such a magnificent pastor and shepherd. So so Lot gets captured by the king of I think Sodom. And uh, look, Lot was constantly making bad choices. But Abraham didn't go, well, I guess he's going to lie in the bed he made. We're just going to let him suffer in the consequences. He's like, no, I want you to speak to the 313 trained men in our house. We're going to get our boy back. He may be a rascal. He may have done the wrong thing, but we're getting him back. And I love the fact that that story talks about the men trained in his house. So there was a training in Abraham's house over his flock, over his people, that when people are lost, 
And when they're being attacked and held captive by the enemy, we don't leave them alone. We go after them and we bring them back. Now, of course, there are some people that won't want to be brought back, but do you know that? So, so I want to put this out there. Let's do an inventory. Every campus, do an inventory. Go through who's present, who's healthy, who, who's injured, who's broken, who needs strengthening, who's wandered, who's lost, who's been driven away. That's a good one. Who has actually been driven away? Let me just see where I am here. And I'll tell you why, because sheep don't wander because they're evil. They wander because they're hungry. I see the grass over there and it looks flipping greener. And we hear that all the time, don't we? So I want to ask you this question, what are we feeding them? Are they well fed? And we hear in church, I'm leaving because I don't feel fed. And I agree, it's lame escape hatch most of the time, but it's a question that we as good shepherds should really ask ourselves. Are are we feeding our flocks? Are we feeding them? Because sometimes it's not an excuse. Sometimes it's reality. And a good shepherd will actually ask themselves, what am I feeding the sheep? Am I offering good grass? Are you getting good quality grass at Awaken Church? One of the qualifications of a leader is must be able to teach. So we have, we have, we have a wonderful development culture, but that does not mean that we water down what happens here. So the, the, one of the key qualities of a campus pastor is they, that they be able to teach. And and if a lot of things are taken away from a campus pastor's ability to be able to bring the word of the Lord, then I would say that they're putting their eggs in some wrong baskets. We don't get people on this stage who are average and just read the Bible for the first time yesterday. There's a difference between somebody bringing a testimony and somebody bringing the word of the Lord to the people out of a reservoir of of, uh, on the inside of them. I know the word of God. God speaks to me. Not everybody is a teacher of the word. Not everybody is equipped to do that. We have to be really careful in this hour. We're just not shoving anybody up there because we have so many services. This needs to be a priority. If you're on the platform, you have to prepare to, to bring a balanced meal for the people. And I'm not talking about having performance, um, you know, a performance culture where we make people so scared that they, they don't know their left from their right and they get stuck because they're so... Uh, like there should be, it's wonderful, like preparation and freedom together. And there'll be an anointing on their life and and you'll see it on people. As we develop speakers, develop them. Develop those speakers. Don't just give them a job and then go, all the best, dear. And they get up there and fall apart with, with no feedback. Really develop them. The, and it's also, it's one thing to speak, one, one thing for a person to have the gift of the gab, another thing for somebody to have a gift from God to minister and teach. We, we have to be very careful. I've seen some people on our platforms and platforms all over the world in churches and they're gifted communicators, but they don't have our spirit. And I've seen people come up on our stage and I hear people say, oh my gosh, you should hear them, they're amazing. And I hear them and sure, on paper, they're great communicators, but I'm like, wow, they're arrogant. Wow, they don't have our spirit. 
wow, they're condescending. Wow, they speak away, speak in a way to our people that really I would never even speak to them. It, it's very interesting. So it's not just, are they a good speaker? Do they have our spirit? So you think about what God said to Moses when Moses wanted to literally commit suicide because the job of shepherding was so overwhelming for him. He actually said that you might as well just kill me now. I can't bear it. These people are the pity limit. And God said to him, I'm going to get 70 elders, people who are well-respected, and I'm going to put your spirit on them. So as you get people up to share and minister in your specific areas or campuses, make sure that they have our spirit. Do, do they carry our echo? Would, would Jürgen and Leanne sit there and go, oh, my gosh, that's a son or a daughter of the house? Good shepherds are doctors and detectives. Is there a predator that went unchallenged? Maybe one of the reasons the sheep were driven away is because there were predators that went unchallenged. And the whole nature of a wolf is that they're dangerous because they're crafty. This is what 1 Corinthians 5.11 says. But I am saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when one of your Christian companions is promiscuous or crooked, is flip with God or rude to friends, gets drunk or becomes greedy and predatory. Are you taking care of the predators in your house? You will find sheep will be scattered and they will be driven away when a wolf is allowed to remain unchallenged. Get those wolves out. We've had plenty of people that we have had to boot out of our church and I do it all again and I will do it in the future. You've got to stop having compassion for the wolf and have compassion for the sheep that the wolf is looking at as his next snack. You, you can't just go along with this, and this is Paul speaking to the church, treating it as acceptable. I'm not responsible for what people outside the church do, but don't we have responsibility for those within our own community? Yes. God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide when our brothers and sisters are out of line and, if necessary, clean house. Good shepherds, clean house. Are we showing mercy to a spirit and agenda that needs to be confronted and expelled? Okay, so that's, I know that's heavy, that's a lot. I hope you wrote all that down. It, yeah, it is actually very much gold. Um, all right, so I wanna, I wanna take just a little bit of a turn now because I, I'd never read this part before and it, it ministered to me so greatly. Because God goes on from, like, telling the shepherds what time it is, and then he turns his attention to the sheep and rings their bell. And I'm like, I am here for it. I am flipping here for it. Go get them, God. I can't get them, but you can. Like, I am bearing the burden. I, I'm taking all the rebukes. I'm reading all the scriptures about woe to the shepherds. And... But thank God, now you're coming at the sheep. And as for you, my dear flock, and you can hear the sarcasm in his voice, <laughs> I'm stepping in and judging between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. I love it. See, they just look like sheep to you, but God sees sheep, rams, and goats. Wow. Aren't you satisfied to feed in good pasture without taking over the whole place? How many people can insert ram here from your own campus? Oh, I know someone like that. 
Can't you be satisfied to drink from the clear stream without muddying the water with your feet? Why do the rest of my sheep have to make do with grass that's trampled down and water that's been muddied? Therefore, God the Master says, I myself am stepping in and making things right between the plump sheep and the skinny sheep because you forced your way with shoulder and rump and butted all the weaker animals. I'm with pastor. I'm getting his time. I need a prophecy. I need a, I need a. Until you scattered them all over the hills and eh, eh, eh. You gotta figure out who's the rams in your campuses. Who are the people that are treading down the grass? Like eat, eat, eat. Who are those people in your congregation? God's calling them out. Who's having a drink? Ooh, delicious. Crystal clear water. <laughs> and they're there, they're there, they're there. And as a good shepherd, you've got to figure out who's ramming and who's cramming and who's muddying up the field and who's, and who's having their fill of the grass and then making sure nobody else gets any. Are you picking up what God's putting down here? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a workout. How many steps I do? Let's see. 1.7K. <sighs> are you confronting the rams and those who are muddying the water and trampling the grass? And really just think deeply on what that means. They're often the biggest and strongest and can come dressed as the most productive. They are always the most noisy, I'll tell you that much. And here's the, the kicker. This, they often sit on the front few rows. And, and I'm not saying that in any way to cast dispersions. But in your campuses, it's usually the people that want the attention. It's usually the people that know how to get your attention. Just be really mindful. Who are the rams? Who's muddying the water? Who's trampling the grass? Who's taking food from other people? Why is there so many fat sheep and so many skinny? And both of them are out of order. We want healthy sheep. We don't want big jab of the huts. <laughs> feed me, pastor, feed me, feed me. And we don't want emaciated little golems from Lord of the Rings. <sighs> we want healthy looking sheep. <laughs> All right. Three minutes left. All right, finally, good shepherds lead like the chief shepherd. Uh, now, I want to take away the, the burden for you to be Jesus to people. That's not what I'm saying. We aren't the chief shepherd. We're called to be good shepherds, but we aren't the good shepherd. That's the Lord. At the end of the day, we lead people to the good shepherd. But we should lead like, we should have characteristics of the chief shepherd. God identifies in Ezekiel's prophecy that the reason the flock is scattered is because they were led with force and cruelty. What is force? This is my version. A demand without development. I need your wool. I need your meat. But I don't care about you. Cruelty. A callous indifference. You don't care about the person 
They're just a child check and a volunteer role with no understanding of what is happening in their personal world. It's actually the reason Marie Antoinette was beheaded in the French Revolution. And uh, amazingly enough, she was beheaded by the people. The people had enough. Marie Antoinette was the ruler of France that were going through. She'd forgot that she was there to serve them and instead saw them as her servants. She was completely oblivious to their pain and their suffering. They were going through massive famine, and the people came to her and said, your majesty, your people have no bread to eat. And she said, really? Well, then let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. She was so disconnected and detached from the reality of everyday French men and women. When she was presented with the crisis they were facing, she was so about herself and so disconnected that she said to them, then let them eat cake. And the countrymen looked at her like, are you for freaking real? Straight to the guillotine. She'd become so obsessed with her position and her title. She had become so obsessed and lost actually the mandate of her position that she was meant to be a servant of the people, that she required service of the people but gave nothing back in return. While they're starving, she's posting selfies of herself at Golden Corral, eating a face off. There was, a, there was an insensitivity there. In Matthew 25, starting in verse 41, it, it it rocked me, it moved me when I read this again last week, where God reminded me that these particular people that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 25 were not rejected because of what they did, but what they didn't do. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he took care of what we did. He took care of what we did. His blood covers everything you did. So when Jesus comes back, the Bible tells us, on his great glorious return, when the chief shepherd appears, he speaks to one group of people, the people on his right, and he says to them, well done, good and faithful servants. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick or in prison, you visited me, so on and so forth. And they're like, well, when did we see you naked, in prison, sick? And he said, what you did for the least of these, my brethren, surely you have done unto me. Then he speaks to those on his left, and he says this. He says, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They're not cast off because of what they did. They're cast off because of what they didn't do. What are we doing in our campuses? Are we clothing the naked? Are we visiting those who are sick and in prison? Are we giving food to the hungry and drink to the thirsty? All right. I feel like that's probably quite an intense message for the day. One, one, thank you, thank you. So take it and take it and make your own. But if you want to know what the the spirit and the heart of awakened churches, this is what it is. So when Jesus, you can grab your seats real quick, but when Jesus came back from defeating death and hell and appeared three times to his disciples, the last thing he said to Peter was, feed my lambs, 
tend my flock, feed my sheep. He was reinforcing in Peter, who had already prophesied that he was going to build his church on, these are the qualifications and the priorities that matter to me. It's people. It's people. I can't, like, look after the people that I have entrusted you with. Good shepherds lead like the chief shepherd. Glory, hallelujah, amen. We'll develop that more and more over time. Put together like, like a manual. I've got to, I know, I've got to stop being lazy. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I've got, I've got like two, I've got two, two books already, Samuel. I got one and two. I need to make it happen. All right, stand to your feet. But I want you to take that. I want you to share it with your teams. But more than anything than sharing it with your teams, it's got to be resonant in you first. We can't teach or impart what we aren't, what we don't have. And I think in this most latest season where we've had a lot of growth and expansion and regions, that there's been... uh, there needs to be a return to this. Let's just put it that way. We need to be smarter. We've got to be better. And I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think with shepherd's eyes right now. Where are people that maybe should be here that aren't? Who are, the wander- who are those who have wandered? Who are those who have lost? Who are those who have been driven away? Are there situations in your campus, in your team, where people were driven away because of the carelessness of the shepherds? Maybe they were driven away because the wolf was present and that wolf did not get challenged. Or maybe it's the rams and the goats muddying up the waters and trampling down the grass and they're looking for food but they're not getting any so they're going off to another place because they're sick of being skinny. They're sick of watching the fat get fatter while they emaciate and perish with hunger. And it's not a bad thing. Yes, we say, look, you've got to be able to feed yourself as a Christian. Of course, of course. But people come to the church to get fed. That, that's important. We can't toss that away as some kind of benign excuse said by people who just want a reason to walk out the door. It, it matters. So, Father, thank you today for your shepherds, God. Uh, Father, you love them so much, and we know that it is a high call, but you have graced us and empowered us to do it. You've called us, and with that calling has has come an empowerment. Father, empower empower them afresh today. What they need to see, let them see. What they need to adjust, let them adjust. What they need to receive, let them receive. What they need to sharpen, let them put their hand to it and sharpen it, Lord. Father, we want to say again today what an honour it is to be shepherds over your flock. What a a wonderful privilege we have. And God, we, we want to be leaders and shepherds that live in such a way that when the, the chief shepherd rewards, that we will re- uh, returns, that we will receive the reward for how we've managed what is so precious to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.